Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. If you're a parent like me, you know that you want to create these positive relationships with your kids, especially with your teens, which is not always easy. But one of the reasons, and I learned this from my mother as the youngest of six, one of the reasons you want to build this relationship, this communication with your kids is to help them to get through the tough times, to be resilient, to deal with adversity. And we are dealing with so much of that right now. Joining me today on Healthy Children is Dr. Michael Yogman. He's the chair of the Massachusetts American Academy of Pediatrics Child Mental Health Task Force and an assistant professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Yogman, it's a pleasure to have you join us today. So first, I'd like to ask you about resilience, because people don't really know what that is. Tell us a little bit about what resilience is and how, how it really applies to our children. So resilience is not uh, inherited. It's learned. And uh, it's learned through uh, the serve-and-return, turn-taking of healthy relationships early in life, uh, where children feel connected and secure and supported. And there really are are, uh, three components, if you will, to resilience. One is buffering and mitigating stress and adversity, which we all try for, but nobody can do it universally, particularly in the midst of a pandemic. Secondly, uh, kids need to learn core executive function skills problem-solving, collaboration. And third of all, I think it's this notion about uh, uh, healthy, safe, stable, nurturing relationships, which both buffers the stress, but also uh, promotes resilience going forward. So being resilient doesn't necessarily mean we won't experience difficulty or stressors, right? As we're trying to learn this skill, as you say, to teach our children it, we're not able to really tell them you're not going to have problems, right? It's just that we're going to help you to figure out ways to deal with them. No, in fact, dealing with the, the more typical problems that everyone faces, but learning to overcome them through supportive relationships builds coping skills and is beneficial in the long term. The problems arise when kids have chronic unremitting adversity and stress without any of the buffering of of trusted relationships. So then let's start with the first part of this topic, which is creating those positive relationships. Now, I've done a lot of these shows. I'm also the mother of an 18 and 21-year-old, and as I said at the beginning, the youngest of six. So I've seen relationships that are good and bad. I've seen, I've had ones with my kids. Tell us about building that relationship first and how important the communication is, the openness, the trust, whether we're starting from the place of trust or building up to it, however the parent does that. Tell us about building that relationship first, Dr. Yogman. Well, two comments to start with. One is, let's dismiss the notion that parents have to be perfect. There is no perfect here. Here, here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but helping your children feel safe, connected, and supported starts, uh, if you go way back to the beginning, 
there's now some really new science that parents' brains are really hardwired to enable them uh, in changes after birth to bond and nurture their children. And if parents are stressed and, uh, uh, and traumatized from their own uh, past history, they can get help to, uh, uh, you know, to recover from that and still be able to provide the kind of nurture and support for their children. So that, uh, you know, clearly there are barriers. The pandemic has provided the, the most problematic barrier of this social isolation. But parental depression, substance use, all of these things can challenge parents. But um, if they can find a way uh, to provide that kind of stability and support for their children... And, you know, adolescence, as you point out, it's not easy finding ways to maintain communication, but that's a big part of it, knowing that they can turn to you when they're, when they're stressed, when they're struggling, and being as free as you can of judgment so that they feel safe confiding in you as a parent. Well, that's a key message right there, so that we have to try and reserve our judgment for another time, if at all, so that they do feel safe to confide in us. Now, during this pandemic, we're really all feeling things that we never have felt before. So parents wanting to be good role models, wanting to communicate with their kids who are hiding in their rooms doing bed school are really, you know, now they're going back to school and maybe it was a missed opportunity. Maybe it was a great opportunity for some families to come together. So tell us a little bit about what we are experiencing now and how we can turn that into this sort of positive message for parents and their children and how it can really change the family dynamic for the better. So, while it's an opportunity, it's also a challenge. And I think one size doesn't fit all. There are kids that did very well with remote learning and kids that suffered tremendously. And you need to understand what was helpful for your child. Because regardless of whether they did well or not, the transition back to in-person school is going to have its challenges. And uh, some of the things that we can recommend to uh help kids master this transition are things like uh, opportunities for joyful play activities, uh, shared reading, those kinds of things so that uh, children can handle their emotions and handle whatever uh, uh, stresses this transition conveys. If they have a passion or a hobby or an activity that brings them joy, those things ought to be supported. We don't want the schools, when they bring children back in the midst of this difficult transition and a lot of uh, uh, challenges to their social-emotional skills, to feel like they're going to cram a year of academic drill-and-kill skills into kids so that they then pass a, uh, a test come down the road. I think we need to be accommodating and provide a... Uh, and, again... Teachers have the same role as parents in the sense that uh, we know that the best indication of academic success from studies of the Chicago school systems are for kids, teachers, and administrators to have a trusted relationship with each other. So again, it's back to the importance of these, uh, of these relationships. If kids feel supported in class, they're more likely to learn, more likely to be curious, more likely to persist, 
and be able to solve problems and work together collaboratively. Well, I agree. And I think that coming back to in-person shouldn't just be about getting the test scores now. We have to work with our kids to kind of reach back and see what they experienced and how we can help them to now move forward, even though maybe the country is is a little stagnant in, in that moving forward part, and we're still in this pandemic. It is by no means over. So we have to kind of teach them to go forward, but yet realizing what happened. So before we wrap up, one of the things I did with my kids, Dr. Yogman, was gratitude. You know, there's there's community service things. There's sense of community. There's I, I tried last year to let them know how lucky we were and that some people weren't so lucky. But there are other things. There's spirituality. There's gratitude. There's communication. There's sense of, you know, belonging. How can we use all of these things? Maybe some innate. Maybe some we learned. Maybe some we've experienced, but how can we put them all together to help teach our kids? I think what you're suggesting is absolutely on spot on and, uh, and terrific. So that I think, you know, many of these kids will come back to school with a lot of fears about the pandemic, fears particularly if they've lost uh, family members. Um, and I think being able to give them something positive, I think we need to move on from just the negative aspect of, uh, of counting up stresses or adversities and give kids something positive to work on and giving back to the community, connecting with uh, community services. I think faith-based groups have become increasingly important to uh, supporting children. And, and community services is critical. There are uh, so many opportunities for uh, for kids to give back. And what could be, I think, talk about another mechanism of promoting resilience um, and giving them opportunities to, uh, to play, to experience the joy of discovery. I think those are all ways that we're going to help them weather this transition back to school. I agree. And thank you so much, Dr. Yogman. What a great guest you are. And such an important topic as we watch our children and our teens and tweens navigate this. We want to teach them to come out stronger as we want to do ourselves. It's not so easy. So if, if, if it's difficult to do for ourselves, it's even more difficult to teach our children, but they're more resilient than we realize, aren't they? And that's a wonderful note to end on. Parents need to take care of themselves in order to take care of their children so that you're absolutely right. How about that? We need to learn to put our own masks on before we put the masks of our loved ones exactly. on. And that's even more yep. timely right now, isn't it? Thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to Healthy Children. All of our expert guests are brought to you by the American Academy of Pediatrics in conjunction with their consumer website, healthychildren.org. You can listen on Spotify and iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, everywhere that podcasts are played, but we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. So for the American Academy of Pediatrics and Radio MD, I'm Melanie Cole. Stay well and thanks for listening.